so this Christmas season, our, our message series has come from a single verse that's found in Isaiah chapter 9. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We've already worked through the titles of Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God. We've discovered that names mean something significant. And to know the name of a person means that we know the character or the conduct of that person. So it's important for us to understand the names that are attributed to Jesus because it gives us insight to his character and and how he behaves and, and what that means for us. And so this morning we're going to look at the title, Everlasting Father. I think it's amazing how much our concept of God is shaped by the earthly image that we have of our own fathers, whether good or bad. How you view your father ultimately shapes somewhat on how you view God. And, and some of us have, have, have great earthly fathers, and others of us, not so much. Many of us don't have a very good image of a father because we didn't have a very good father in our own lives. And of all the adjectives that we might use to describe our father, everlasting wouldn't be one of them. Maybe a temporary father, or perhaps like 24 million children in our nation today, a permanently absent father would be a more accurate description of our earthly dads. Realize that 24 million children do not know who their biological father is. Some 20 million children live in homes without the very presence of a father. Not to mention the, the millions more, the unknown millions who have a father in the house that might be physically present, but emotionally absent or disconnected. When I think about that, I'm extremely thankful for the Word of God in Psalm chapter 68. Listen as I read verse 4 and 5. It says, Sing praises to God and to His name. Sing loud praises to Him who rides in the clouds. His name is the Lord. Rejoice in His presence. Verse 5, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. This morning we're going to unpack what it means for Jesus to be everlasting Father. And as our everlasting Father, Jesus will never desert His responsibilities. He will always be there forever. He will not follow the the broken pattern that so many of our fathers have passed on to us. As everlasting Father, He will never fail to provide for us. I'll give you a couple of references. These will be quick too. First one's found in Philippians chapter 4. I'll read that one for you. I'll encourage you to also turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. So go to Hebrews chapter 12. Come on, turn your Bibles. Let's go. Wake up, church. Let's get engaged. Hebrews chapter 12. As you're turning there, let me read to you what Philippians chapter 4 
verse number 19 says. There we see the promise that God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The promise is that God will supply every need of yours. And then he goes on to say, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So as everlasting Father, he will always provide for our needs. But not only that, as everlasting Father, he will also discipline us when needed and necessary. In Hebrews chapter 12, I'll begin in verse number 3. It says, consider him who endured uh, from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? And here's the exhortation. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Verse 7, it is for discipline that you have endured. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. You catch that? If you're not disciplined by God, then God's saying, it's because you don't belong to me. You're not my child. In verse 9, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Verse 10, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we might share in his holiness. For the, mo- for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it's yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So as lever- everlasting Father, he'll never fail to help us. He'll, he'll give us what we need when we need it. He'll, he'll discipline us so that we might share in His holiness and, and that we might receive the, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Now, now, that term, everlasting Father, in the Hebrew, it is a phrase that means literally the Father of eternity. And so this speaks about the purpose of His coming. Look at it this way. As wonderful counselor, He makes the plans. As mighty God, he makes those plans work. And then as everlasting Father, we begin to see the spirit and and the attitude that motivates him to carry out the plans in which he has made. Everlasting Father can also be translated as the possessor of eternity. I love that translation. So the birth of Jesus was not his beginning. Jesus is above, before, and beyond time. Let me show you in Scripture. Turn with me uh, to the Gospel according to John uh, chapter 1. John chapter 1. Oh, I'm going to get after you. Come on now. Get your Bibles open. Let's go. John chapter 1. 
Let me read a passage of Scripture here. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the, the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness have, has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then it says in verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace. And truth. And then if you'll just turn the page or two over, look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6, beginning in verse number 35. It says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, but whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I love that promise. I'll never cast out. He says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Well, beautiful, beautiful promises about, about Jesus and His purpose and His mission and the reality that He exists above, beyond the scope of time. One more reference. Go to the very last chapter in the Bible. Turn with me to Revelation. Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. uh, A couple of verses. uh, Look there in verse number 7. It says, And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. And then go down to verse number 12. Here's the promise. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one of you for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus Christ is eternal. He has no beginning, nor does he have an end. Now man, on the other hand, we're quite different. We have a beginning, but like Christ, it's going to get you, we have no end. We are created for 
eternity. So we have a beginning, absolutely, but we were cre- created for eternity. So what that eternity looks like has everything to do with what you do with Jesus Christ in your life. Some of us, our eternity will be an eternity in the presence of God. Others will spend eternity forever separated from his holiness, from his righteousness, all that is good, forever in anguish and turmoil and torture because of their unbelief. But make no mistake, God created us for eternity. And so as everlasting Father, we see that Jesus as the possessor of eternity, he came to earth to reveal to us how we can live with God forever. How we can partake in the eternal blessing of being with God forever. Jesus Christ reveals eternity. It's a beautiful scripture reference in 1 John chapter 1. I'll read it for you. 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 says that we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes, touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. The one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. Jesus Christ reveals eternal life because he came, and he was born, and he lived, and he walked, and he dwelt among us. And so time is an interesting concept because it's hard sometimes to to wrap your mind around the concept of eternity. But how do you view time? Like, is time your friend or is time your enemy? I would say for the non-believer, for the individuals who have not put their faith, their trust, their confidence in, in the Son of Jesus Christ, time is most definitely your enemy. But for the child of God, time is your friend. And time is an interesting thing. Because no matter who you are, no matter matter what type of education that you have, no matter your economic status, no matter what part of the world you live in, time is time. It's the same for, for all people. We all share 168 hours a week. There's nothing that we can do to control that time. So the seconds, the minutes, the hours, the days, the weeks, the months, the years, they just move right along and we can do nothing about it. We have no control over it. It's fascinating to me. Somehow it seems as though the younger that you are, the more anxious you are for time to hurry and speed up. And then the older you become, the more you want time to just kind of slow down a little bit. Somehow there's this sweet spot in between. I don't know what that spot is. But for the Christ follower, we have no need to worry about speeding time up or slowing time down. 
because ultimately we recognize that Jesus Christ is, con- is in control over it all. As everlasting Father, He is the possessor of eternity. And as a wonderful counselor, He makes the plans. As mighty God, He makes those plans work. So Jesus Christ, when He is in control of your life, then you have absolutely nothing to fear. Even when, and it will happen, even when your health begins to decay, you still have nothing to fear when your hand in your life is in the hands of, of God. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, or they're temporary. Uh, But the things that are unseen are eternal. And so, because Jesus is a Father, He cares for His people. And because He owns eternity, then He gives us the opportunity to receive eternal life if we'll put our faith and trust in Him. And so, as everlasting Father, He is a Father forever. And He's the perfect Father that will never disappoint us or let us down. Oh, I love the concept of Jesus being everlasting Father. It's an important concept for me to grab hold of because I, too, am a father. I'm a father, and I've got four awesome children. I'm a father to Logan. I'm a father to Tyler. I'm a father to Rose. And I'm a father to Canaan. But here's the thing. As their father, I would do ultimately anything I could do to help them in life. I love them. They're my kids. They're a blessing that God has bestowed upon me. But but here's what I know. I'm not a father forever. I'm a temporary father. One day my life will pass away and I'll no longer be a father. But Jesus Christ is a father forever. And all fathers, yeah, we're all temporary because we're all going to die. But Christ rules and reigns for all eternity. He will never disappoint us. He will never let us down. So as long as I have breath, as long as I have the ability to, then whenever my kids need me, man, I will stop. I will run to them. I will do whatever I can to help my children. It could be something on a major scale. It could be something very minor, but oh, so important. Uh, for instance, this past uh, week, uh, many of you know that Casey and I, we took off so that we could uh, go up to Kansas to meet up with a couple of our kids so that we can bring them back home for the Christmas holidays. And so everybody's here, the family's all together, and Logan is still serving in Africa. So it's our first Christmas to go without all of the kids being present physically in the home. But we're driving uh, to Kansas on Thursday it's about a 10 or 11 hour journey. 
And in that process of driving, we're on this road. I don't even remember which highway it was. All I know is that we're in this open lane and 75 miles per hour. And then all of a sudden, I hear in the back seat, Daddy, I need a kiss and a hug. I need a kiss and a hug. And what you got to know is like Kenan and I have this routine that whenever I leave, we have this process, and that process seems to get longer and longer and longer. And it's like you have to like really plan your leaving accordingly because it takes a good five or ten minutes to actually be able to get in the car to drive away. And so here, here's our routine. This is what usually happens on the morning uh, whenever I'm leaving. If I'm driving uh, our car and, and Casey and Kanan are staying at the house, then what will happen is when I say goodbye to him, he says, I'm going to be loud. And I say, okay, be loud. And so I'll walk out the door and I'll shut the door and I have to listen because he'll yell out, I need a kiss and a hug, which means I have to go back inside the house so I give him a kiss and a hug. And then I have to tell him only one more time, Kanan, one more time, last time. And then I'll leave again, and then he'll shout it again. I need a kiss and a hug. So I got to go back in. And then after the second time, then when I'm trying to leave for the third attempt, then I'm actually able to leave and to go. But that's not the end because I can only back out of the driveway, turn and and take a right and and start going down Link Avenue. But I have to roll down the windows because by the time I'm there, Canaan is out on the back patio and he's uh, either at the fence or at the patio and he's saying bye and so we have to roll down the window and we have this routine we have to shout bye so bye bye we're driving down the road you're just yelling bye until you can't hear the person again like that's our routine it's exhausting some days some days you just want to leave like i just gotta go just let me go but it's not and then if they drop me off here at the church it's not any easier because they'll drop me off and i've got to walk slowly so i can listen to them shout from the car i need a kiss and a hug and now he likes to wait till i actually open the door and get into the building and it's just so tiring sometimes but we're driving along this road and I'm thinking about Jesus Christ being the possessor of eternity, a father forever. And here I hear in the back seat, now it's a crowded little car. You've seen our little car around here. It's not roomy. When you got me, I'm in the front seat. We have three dogs that we're taking with us on this trip. So I'm in the front seat. I've got two dogs in the front with me. Casey's riding in the back with Kanan, and she has her little dog uh, beside her. So it's not easy, you know. Getting in and out of a car is an ordeal, but Kanan's like, we're driving. Daddy, I need a kiss and a hug, and I know exactly what that means and what I need to do. So I push on those hazards. I pull off the side. People flying by 75 miles per hour plus. I quickly get out of the car, barely open the door so I can stick, you know, creep in and give a kiss and a hug but that was like only one time only this is it and i begin to think about because i'm thinking about all of this this week and here's the thing like yeah so my kids they need me and i'll do whatever i can to be there for them when they cry i'll be there to comfort them they want me and i'll be there i'll go there and i'll just sit with them i'll never kick them out of my life desert them, leave them on their, their own, because they belong to me. They've been a blessing into my life. God gave us the privilege to, to have these children. They bear my name. 
then I began to realize that what I am in a very poor way to them, Jesus is in a very perfect way to all of us. I say all that to say that no matter what it is that you're going through, whether you're suffering today, whether you're dealing with depression or disappointment, no matter if you have pain, sorrow, confusion in your life, no matter how other people may mistreat you, we can have the peace and we can have contentment if we have a relationship with the possessor of eternity. We have that peace and that contentment because we ultimately, we know that everything in this world is temporary. It's all passing away. But Jesus Christ is eternal. He never passes away. He'll never die. He'll never desert us. He'll never fail to do what he's promised that he will do. So during the Christmas season, we tend to focus a lot on the miracle of Christ's birth. We, we tend to focus on the shepherds or, or the angel or, or, or the magi. We, we focus on the beauty and the innocence of, of sweet baby Jesus lying in, in a manger. And all of that is entirely appropriate to do. I'm not saying it's not right to focus on some of those things. But we also need to remember why it is that he came. What his purpose was in his coming. Jesus came because we desperately needed a Savior. He didn't come because we needed a good moral example. He didn't come because we needed another good teacher. He didn't, need, he didn't come so that we could have a good role model to follow. No, he came because we need a Savior. And so that's the purpose. As the possessor of eternity, he came to offer salvation to any and everyone who would just call upon his name and believe. So with that being said, the question I leave you with is have you received Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe in the Son? Have you turned your life over to him? Have you placed yourself under his rule and reign of your own life. And you said, all that I have, all that I am, I give unto you. Take my life. Do with it whatever is necessary so that you might be honored and glorified in and through my life of obedience. Do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus Christ the Son enough that you fully committed your life unto him do you have eternal life because of your belief in jesus christ you might say salvation is a difficult concept for me to understand because i feel like i have to add something to it i feel like i have to you know do enough good things in order to receive the favor of god but that's not how salvation works scripture says that we are to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead and then we'll be saved. So it's not impossible, right? It's very impossible. It's impossible if we try to do it on our own strength because that's not doable. Jesus says to the rich young ruler, 
And the rich young ruler asked him the question in Luke chapter 18. He says, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus says, what is impossible for men is possible with God. Salvation is found only through faith in Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're here today and you're just tired. You're worn out. You're weary. Discouraged. If that's you, I believe that Jesus would say to you what he said in Matthew chapter 11. Come unto me, you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Maybe you've gotten even to the point where you just feel like, I, I can't go on anymore. I'm done. I think that Jesus would say to you what he said in 2 Corinthians, the promise, the words in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that says, come unto me. I'm sorry. It says, my grace will be sufficient for you. You don't have to be done. My grace is sufficient for you. And maybe you're just ready to, to throw in the towel. Maybe you're just, you're so discouraged, you're so frustrated, you just want to quit. Jesus would remind us of the promise that he gives us in Philippians chapter 4. Where he says that you can do all things through me. I'll give you the strength in order to carry out the mission that I've called you to do. What God has called you to, he will see you through. And he will never fail you. He will never disappoint you. He is 100% faithful and true. The everlasting father, the possessor of eternity, the father forever, wants you to know how desperately it is that he loves you. He loves you enough that he gave his life for you. And so as we celebrate Christmas and we reflect upon the birth of our Savior, may we also reflect upon the reason that he came. The reason why he came is because we needed his help. We couldn't receive eternal life apart from him. So he came so that if we would just believe in him, that we can receive the eternal life that he offers. Do you believe? Do you trust? Are you fully committed unto him? Let's pray, church. As we pray, may you know that whatever it is that you're facing, you can go to the everlasting Father who loves you. He will provide for you. He will discipline you when necessary. He will never leave you. Father, based upon those promises, I pray that you would give us peace and comfort right now. For some of us, man, we're trying to savor and soak up every moment of the holiday season because we just love it so much. But for others, we just can't wait for this season to be over because it's a difficult emotional time for whatever reason. But God, in this moment right here, right now, I pray that each and every one of us would turn to you as everlasting Father to present our needs unto you, to trust in you, to believe in you, and to walk a life of full commitment unto you for your glory. And I know right now in this room there are people that are discouraged, they're frustrated, they're tired, they just want to quit, they just want to walk away. God, may... May they turn and receive your grace in their life. 
for those that don't have faith in the Son. I pray that this morning would be a moment of choosing to say, I believe. I commit myself unto you. I receive the the promise of salvation into my life. To all of your children, I pray that we would be honest with our walk. Some of us are living lives of outright rebellion. Some of us have been neglecting to spend time in your word, to spend time in prayer. Father, we need to confess our sins and and repent from them and turn unto you. God, may we hold nothing back in our relationship with you. May we be willing to surrender all that we have and all that we are for your honor and for your glory. Be pleased by what you see in us in this time. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. This time of invitation.